Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As Vicar stated at the start of the service, we're spending the summer looking at this grand theme of the Bible, that God's plan of salvation really began with creation and was carried out in time. Last week, you heard Vicar speak about that creation, about how God put in on this earth, created this earth, put all things in place. And today, we're going to take a look at a special part of that creation, the creation of human beings. Maybe you've heard someone say this to you over the course of your lifetime, through your years. You have your mother's eyes, or you look just like your father. See, the truth of the matter is we do pass on physical characteristics to our children, right? And we receive from our own parents some of those same physical characteristics. I think over the years there have probably been many, many expecting parents, parents expecting children who wondered, what will our children look like when they are born? Do you know that through the miracle of modern technology, you can now maybe get somewhat of an idea of what your children might look like before they're ever born? Yes, there are actually apps for that, filters on different things, where you can take a picture of the mother and a picture of the father, and what will come out is something like that, that looks like what your children might look like. I believe that one's called Morphing. Anybody hear of any of those? You've ever played with those? You can raise your hand if you've ever done anything like Okay, it was just me. All right. Okay. Yeah, that idea of what your child would look like because we know that parents pass on their own image to their children. Today we're going to talk about the image of God, what it means that Adam and Eve were created in God's image. And one of the things that we can say about that image of God is that this has caused much discussion among God's people throughout the centuries. But let's rule out one thing. Being created in God's image doesn't mean that we were created to look like God from a physical standpoint. Instead, when God talks about his image, it really highlights for us that God created people with care and that he had for them a very special purpose. So as we take a look at a few verses from Genesis chapter 1 today, that's going to be our focus, that Adam and Eve were created in God's image. And as we think about that truth, that they were created in God's image, we'll note first that they were made special by the Creator. And then, secondly, that they were made to represent the Creator. Listen to chapter 1, verse 27. Here's how God had Moses record the creation of Adam and Eve in chapter 1. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I don't know when the last time was that you read through Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, but last week, we read Genesis chapter 1. Today we read most of Genesis chapter 2. And maybe as you heard those two chapters read, you thought what many people through the ages have thought. Why does there seem to be two different creation accounts? Why the creation count in, account in Genesis chapter 1? And then why a second creation account in Genesis chapter 2? They aren't separate. 
Genesis chapter 1 is a chronological account of the creation week, going from day 1 to day 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way to day 7. What chapter 2 does is it gives us some specific information, particularly about one day of that creation, day 6, the day that human beings were created. I don't know if you spend much time anymore in the advent of GPSs, but once upon a time there were these things called atlases or maps that you could actually look at to see where you were going. And maybe if you ever looked at one of those, you saw something like what this map shows. This is actually all of the zip codes in Wisconsin, if you ever want to figure that out. But take a look at what they did. They blew up this little spot down here, which is the Milwaukee area, into more detail. That's chapter 2 compared to chapter 1. Chapter 1 gives the overview of creation. Chapter 2 zeroes in on a garden, on two trees, and on a man and a woman. This is where we see just how special God created Adam and Eve. Vicar read it a little bit earlier in chapter 2, where, where God said, let there be with everything else in creation. Did you hear how he formed Adam? literally formed him from the dust of the ground. And then God himself breathed, breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. That was not said of anything else in creation, but, but Adam was made special. God formed him and breathed life into him. And then chapter 2 goes on, still recounting day 6 of creation to Eve's creation, formed from the rib that was taken out of Adam and presented to Adam as exactly what he needed. That creation of Adam and Eve demonstrates just how special both were in God's creation. That both of them were formed. Both of them were made in the image of God. That's how God said it in chapter 1, verse 27. In the image of God, he made them. Male and female, he created them. We'll talk a little bit more about that image of God in a few moments, but please just note this for now. Adam and Eve, human beings, were the pinnacle of God's creation. They were the most special part of everything that God had created during that creation week. Nothing else, about nothing else are we told that they, it was created in the image of God. Nothing else received the kind of care and attention that the creation of human beings did. So God had more to say to Adam and Eve as this pinnacle, this special part of his creation. Take a look at verse 28 of Genesis chapter 1. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Adam and Eve weren't just special in the way that they were formed. They were special in the way God gave them responsibilities in this creation. Did you notice that Adam and Eve were meant to fill the earth? They weren't supposed to simply stay in that beautiful paradise that God created for them in Eden, but they were to fill the earth. They would do that by reproducing, by being fruitful and increasing in number. In that way, they were to expand God's rule, expand God's kingdom. 
You might remember last week that Vicar described creation as God's temple or God's kingdom. And we see it again here in chapter 2 that these creatures, human beings that God put here on earth were meant to expand that kingdom. Maybe you heard a couple of other words in there as well. Not only were they to fill the earth, but they were to subdue it. They were to rule over the birds in the air, the fish in the sea, all the animals that were on earth. I know it's difficult for us living now in a sin-filled world, a world that's been stained by sin, to think about the idea of ruling and not think of abuse, not think of taking advantage of that position. But that's not what Adam and Eve would have done. In God's perfect world, Adam and Eve would have ruled all things as an extension of God himself. They would have ruled those things reflecting the wishes of the creator, demonstrating the same care and concern and nurturing that God had. And as that kingdom spread out into all of the world, Adam and Eve and all others, all other human beings would make known to all creation the glory of God. It sounds so beautiful. Human beings created in such a special way to be such an important part of God's kingdom in representing the king. So what happened? Why does that not describe our world today? Well, perhaps a quick illustration. For a few years now, people have been trying to take the words in God we trust off of the currency in the United States. You're probably aware of that. And it shouldn't surprise us that those kind of things happen. But maybe there's a deeper thought behind that concern of having the words in God we trust on our currency. See, human beings have taken it one step further. Where God created us special, where he gave us special responsibilities, created us in the image of God, human beings have tried instead to replace God. I don't want to steal too much from Vicar's sermon next week, but ultimately that becomes the problem when Adam and Eve want to become like God. You see, simply representing God, simply being created special, was not enough for human beings. We wanted more. And nothing has changed, has it? Don't we always try to be the ones who are in charge of our own lives, that think we know what's best for us, that question why God would ever do certain things? See, we want to replace God, not simply represent him. And when we think about the image of God, we see the tragic effects of that image being lost. And only through God, and only through God's grace and mercy has that image been restored. Let's go back prior to the fall and see how Adam and Eve were meant to be representatives of God in his kingdom. You see, God created Adam and Eve in his image. That meant they had ability. Ability to do what God asked them to do. Adam and Eve were able not to sin. Have you tried that since the fall into sin? Tried living a day of your life thinking, today, today's the day I'm not going to sin. How long did you last? A couple of minutes? Maybe an hour? We can't do it. 
We don't have that ability that Adam and Eve had as they were created in God's image. It's been lost. You see, Adam and Eve were created with holiness. They were on the same page with God. They understood God's will and they had the ability to carry it out. What God told Adam and Eve really amounts to a covenant. The first of many covenants that appear in the Bible. This covenant between God and his people simply went like this. God gave them this beautiful earth to live in. This beautiful place to call their own. And then he asked them to do some things. To fill the earth. To be fruitful and increase in number. To subdue that earth and rule over it. You see, God was giving power to the people that he had created to be his representatives in his kingdom. That concept of this world being created as God's kingdom and God being the king amazes us when we think of this. Human beings were created in such a special way that God actually put them on this earth to represent him as they served him in this life. That's what Adam and Eve were to do. And even still today, God's call to you and me is to represent him in his kingdom. We are to echo the love that God has for each one of us in the way that we live, in the way that we speak, in the way that we think. See, the goal of God's creation, the goal of making Adam and Eve in his image was to demonstrate his goodness so that the whole creation could see the goodness of God. In Psalm 8, as the psalmist reflects on creation, he says this very thing about human beings representing God. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. That's how God wanted things to be. That's how he wanted Adam and Eve to represent him when they were created in God's image. But we know it didn't last. This past week, we marked 40 days since Jesus' resurrection. Thursday marked a church festival known as the Ascension, the day Jesus went back into heaven. And Jesus' ascension begs the question, why did he ever have to come to earth to begin with? Why did Jesus have to come to this earth if God created Adam and Eve holy? And that we know the answer to, don't we? We'll hear a lot more about it next week. But we know that the covenant between God and his people was broken. That human beings did not represent God and still don't represent God in the perfect fashion that God requires. We failed. But here's the amazing thing. God in his love didn't leave us to ourselves. Instead, he sent his only son, innocent, to live a perfect and innocent and holy life in our place and then to take every sin of ours to the cross. That's where Jesus restored the covenant, the covenant between you and me and our God. Jesus' resurrection sealed to us the forgiveness that he won for us and his ascension is proof that he accomplished everything that he came to this world to do. He went back to heaven because his work on this earth to save us was complete. 
So what does that mean? Does that mean our ascended Lord just is up there in heaven and waiting for something to happen? No, the Bible makes very clear he's still active. He's still working. The Bible tells us that God has now placed all things under the feet of Jesus. And he's the one who rules all things for our good. The Bible explains that it's Jesus who intercedes for us, who speaks to the Father on our behalf. No one can make an accusation against you because Jesus has already washed your sins away in his own blood. And Jesus promises that he's preparing a place for us and that he will come back to take us to be with him forever in heaven. Do you remember what the angel said to the disciples as they were staring into heaven as Jesus went into the sky on his ascension? This same Jesus, whom you've seen taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus isn't leaving us by ourselves. He hasn't left us by ourselves. And that promise that he's coming back to take us to be with him forever, that's what fills us with hope even as we live our lives in a world that's shattered and broken. And here's another promise that God makes. Through the faith that you have, through the faith in your Savior Jesus, that image of God once lost when the fall into sin happened is being restored. It's being renewed in you and me. You heard Vicar read about it before in Colossians chapter 3. Let me highlight just a couple of those verses again. You have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Right now, as you're here today, as you live your lives in this world, your faith in Jesus, the strength that you find in his word and his promises is renewing in you that special gift that God gave to Adam and Eve, the image of God. And that image of God will be fully restored in you and me when we are taken home to our Lord in heaven. Some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, God made human beings the pinnacle of his creation. We are special to him. David said it so well in Psalm 139, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes, not just our physical bodies, but everything about us and God's creation tells us that God made human beings special. Number two, God made us in his image so that we could represent him in his kingdom. Peter uses these very same words in 1 Peter chapter 2 when he calls us a holy nation, a royal priesthood, God's special possession that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Then number three, Jesus restored the broken covenant and has a place ready for us in heaven. He is coming back. In my Father's house, Jesus said, are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. That's a promise that you and I can count on. We don't have to look too far, do we, to see the tragic results of the loss of God's image in this world? This past week, we got another very, very profound, impactful, tragic example of what sin and the loss of the image of God can do. 
I don't know about you, but when things like this happen in our world, it takes me a little bit to process them. It takes me a little bit to think through and, and understand how do I explain this to people in light of God's word. As a child of God, how do I tell people about what happened in Texas or any other tragedy that happens in this world? Maybe you find yourself at a loss for words sometimes too. As a child of God, what do I say? What do I do? For myself, I've boiled it down to a couple of things. One of the first things I like to say to people and remind myself is that this is another tragic example of what life is like in a broken and sinful world. There is wickedness in this world. There is evil. And sometimes that wickedness and evil harms people in very, very profound and impactful ways. It's good to acknowledge that we don't live in a world that's perfect, that we'll never live in this world with perfection. And as we think about that, it, it makes our hearts go out to those who are victims of that kind of violence and evil. And that's good. It's good to feel for other people. It's good to empathize with them. It's good to pray for them. No matter what anybody else says, your prayers are powerful and effective, God says. But then there's a second thing. Instead of looking down and, and moping and wondering what's, what's next, God would have me direct my eyes heavenward to Jesus, the one who's still coming back, the one who will restore all things, the one who reminds us that in him all of wickedness will disappear once and for all when we are with him in the glory of heaven. See, that's our hope. And this is not a hope, but that's not an earthly hope like, I hope this happens someday. No, this is a biblical hope. And a Bible hope, because it rests on the promises of God, is always certain. It's always sure. And God says to you and me, Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to take us to a place that's free from evil and wickedness where he'll dry every tear from our eyes. Hold on to that hope. Hold on to the hope that God gives you because there in heaven, that image of God, which God gave to Adam and Eve at creation, which has been lost through sin but gradually being renewed in us, that's when we'll experience in full what it means to be the image of our almighty God. And there we will see in full the glory of our creator. Jesus is coming back. Hold on to that hope as you wait for his return. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.